Hey, so we're going to be uh, finishing our series in the book of Daniel today. And it's going to take a little, little bit of a different twist, if you will, because we've been looking at different topics in the, in the sense of looking at stories that have like major themes in them. When we looked at like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, it was like having faith in a fire. We looked at Daniel and his prayer, and he prayed despite what the law had said, and he was standing up and courageous in his faith. We saw also um, Daniel not compromising, but standing on his convictions. And so today's message is going to be a little different, but because of what Daniel has to say about it, we have to make sure that we are also mindful of what the Bible says about the topic of prophecy. And so I want to talk to you about prophecy. I know that's kind of like a weird thing, like why are we going to talk about prophecy of all things? And I think the, the reason we talk about prophecy is because the Bible talks about it too, and I'll, I'll mention that in a little bit. But if you've ever seen like different like infomercials or something for like um, tarot card readings or like psychics or crystal balls or something like that, like the idea is that people believe that they can predict your future for you and they can read your palms or whatever, like certain lines on your hand represent like, oh, you're going to die soon. Like, wait, what? That's just like lines on my hand, I thought. Like, I, I didn't realize that was something that you were going to tell me that I was going to die from. And so when we, when we think of like psychics and tarot card readings or whatever, like we are ultimately believing that they have power over our future. But I want you to know that the only person who has real power over your future is God. And your plans might be this, this, and this, and you're um, wanting to be a successful entrepreneur and launch a, a, a company or, or something of that sort. So you want to be in sports and, and be an athlete and things like that. And you have all these dreams and aspirations to do all these amazing things. And you, you can predict what your life might look like, but ultimately only God really knows what's going to happen in your life. And so as we look here we're not really going to read through the book of Daniel. We're just going to highlight a few things at the end. But I want to talk to you specifically about prophecy because the book of Daniel talks about the, the topic of prophecy. And so when we look through the book of Daniel, it reveals these prophecies about end time events. Maybe you're familiar with it. But ultimately what it reveals is that Jesus has his hand in your life. And I think that's the big thing. When we look at different prophecies that have been fulfilled we see that Jesus himself is actually the one in control of all things. But what is prophecy? Like when we, talk about, when we talk about prophecy itself, we can be kind of confused by the term. But in reality, the word prophecy just simply means a prediction. That's all it simply means. It just means a prediction. Maybe you've, you've tried to predict when the red light would turn green. I've done this a few times, and when I do it in my car, I... I um, you, obviously, as you see, like, different signals, like, you can see the, the pattern sometimes, like, the cross uh, traffic is going to go, and those lights are green, but when they turn red, typically your light turns green so that you can go, and there are times when I try to predict myself um, moving through that light before the red even turns green, and so my prediction has been wrong a few times because I end up in the middle of an intersection at a red light because I forgot that sometimes the turning lanes actually turn before the ones that go straight, and you try to predict something, and then you end up looking like a fool. Or if you try to predict 
the outcome of a sporting event, whether you had a pool with your friends or something at the last Super Bowl because you're a Patriots fan and you thought they were going to beat the Eagles, and you're like, no, like I'm going to predict this. Like I'll put money on it. And you're like, oh, really? Let's put some money on it. And you start to predict what you think is actually going to happen. What happens is we become so confident in ourselves that we believe we cannot fail. And I think that we need to understand that when predictions fall short, when, the, me- when the, the weatherman is wrong, right? Like, how does the weatherman know what the weather is going to be? He, he like, like mm, I think it's going to be windy today. Like, yeah, of course it's going to be windy. Um, or he's going to say it's 90 degrees outside, and then the next day it's, like, out. It's just, like, said what, 70 degrees, overcast. Like, the, the weatherman can't predict it perfectly, nor can any man really on earth predict anything that's going to happen. But you see, the Bible makes a lot of predictions about the future, and all of its predictions are actually 100% accurate. Not even like a 95% accuracy. There is 100% accuracy when it comes to the Bible in predicting the future. There have been many predictions made about the future, but the Bible is the only one that has been able to do so accurately. And so I think what we also see is prophecy gone wrong. And what I mean by that is when we look through the different predictions that people make, there's a lot of talk about prophecy and its significance today. And I think that we should, as followers of Jesus, be concerned with these bold predictions that the Bible has because it keeps us mindful of what our future looks like. It keeps us mindful of what our future looks like. And I also believe that there are some misconceptions about prophecy today because people have been stupid enough to actually put a date on the end of the world. Maybe you've heard that before. Nostradamus came out with a prediction like March 23rd of 2017 or like some weird uh, date like that, and then, of course, when it doesn't happen, you look stupid, right? Like, I predict the end of the world tomorrow, and then tomorrow comes, and it's not the end of the world, and it's like, you're a moron. Like, that's not what actually happens. Um, and so I think because of the misconceptions about prophecy today, um, I think it's because people have made it about their own power and not God's. I think one of the reasons we don't see a lot of emphasis on prophecy today is because people have made it about themselves and not God. That's why we have a hard time talking about prophecy or we just don't care about prophecy. And of course, like coming into a junior high setting, it's like, hey, what should we talk about today? Like, I'll be honest with you, I was struggling this week in in trying to figure out like what to talk about because I didn't want to talk about prophecy. Like, when, when you're in seventh or eighth grade, like, you want to know, like, how do I deal with my friends? Like, they're stupid. How do I deal with them? Or how do I navigate through social media because um, the, the bunny filter doesn't work on my face anymore? Or, like, something like that. Like, you, you think through different things. Like, I don't want to talk about prophecy because it, it's, like, it's a, a subject that, like, not a lot of us may care about. But if Jesus cares about something, then we should also care about it too. And that's the, that's the deal with prophecy and, and predictions is that Jesus himself is interested in it, and so we should be as well. In fact, if you look at Mark 13, 32 on the screen, it says, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So if you're trying to make a prediction about the Bible outside of the Bible, you're going to fail because only God knows the day in which the end will come. And so I think that 
we don't believe prophecy sometimes, again, because people make such a big deal about prophecy and they're so focused on it that they make it easy for Christianity to be mocked. I think that's a big problem with what we have in our culture because people make such a big deal about prophecy that they're so focused on it that they start to predict all these things that aren't even found in the Bible and then it creates a weird thing about Christianity like, oh, you stupid Christians and all your end time stuff and you know, blah, blah, blah or whatever. I predict this, I predict that, whatever it might be. There was this guy, I mentioned him earlier, Nostradamus. He had predicted way back in the 1500s, in, um, in 1555, he had started writing a book and published it, and he had made all these different predictions about a lot of different things in life. I mean, he just looks like devious, doesn't he? Like, I'm, hi, I'm Nostradamus, and I'm going to predict the future. He's just kind of like a weird-looking dude. And he actually, uh, people today believe that he predicted the rise of Adolf Hitler. And I think that that's kind of a crazy thing. I found some pictures of Adolf Hitler. He looks kind of Hitler-ish. But look at, look at this next picture, okay? This one's even more, this one's even worse. This is full body Adolf Hitler. I mean, look at those knickers. Those are so cute. Come on, look at those things right there. It's so cute. Okay, but listen to this. So this is how... Nostradamus is like so vague about his, his, his like predictions about the future. Listen to this. This is his words about the rise of Hitler. He says, From the depths of the west of Europe, a young child will be born of poor people. He who by his tongue will seduce a great troop, his fame will increase towards the realm of the east. And so that alone was what people today thought was a prediction that Nostradamus made of the rise of Adolf Hitler. However, as vague as that statement is, Hitler was not born out of a poor family like this indicates. He was actually born of a middle-class family. So that obviously wasn't fully accurate in and of itself. There's also another prediction that Nostradamus apparently made about the assassination of JFK and his brother um, Bobby Kennedy, who actually was assassinated five years later, it says this, quote, the great man will be struck down in the day by a thunderbolt, and, you know, metaphorically thinking of a gun, an evil deed foretold by the bearer of a petition. According to the prediction, another one of them falls at nighttime, talking about his brother. Um, conflict happens in Rhymes, London, and a pestilence takes place in Tuscany. This is the so-called prophecy that predicted the assassination of JFK back in the 1500s when no one else knew but Nostradamus apparently did. But again, there are holes in this prediction as well because none of the assassinations took place in Rhymes, London, or in Tuscany. Now the reason I bring these things up is because I want to show you today how Jesus can be proved 100% accurate. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, whether you've had doubts. Have you ever doubted your faith before? Let's just be honest this morning. If you've doubted, okay, I appreciate that. So everyone else is like good on your faith. No one else has doubted before. You're all good on your faith, okay. Uh, good to know. Um, we've all doubted. We've all questioned God's means and his methods and things like that. Have you ever questioned what, what God was doing in your life? Okay, we got a few more. Everyone else is good. Like, no, I don't question God at all. Okay, great. Your life is all put together a lot better than mine, apparently. Jesus' predictions, however, were fully true and fully fulfilled. And I have four different ones of many that we could mention, but because of time, 
I want to tell you about these four prophecies that were actually fulfilled when Jesus was here. The first one is when Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times. Jesus told Peter that he would deny him three times before it even happened. Okay? So then Peter replies, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and even to death. Okay? So then look at the verse up on the screen, Luke twenty two thirty four. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Right? Like, it's just kind of like, hey, you know, why don't you sit down, bro? Like, I'm going to teach you a lesson right here right quick. Okay? Let me tell you something. That's kind of like your, your grandpa or grandma, like, back in my day, you know, like, they're kind of like referencing back to, like, something that happened way back when they were, you know, younger and stuff. I had to walk in the snow five miles up a hill to school every morning. It's like, no, you didn't. That's a lie. Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Peter's like, I would never do such a thing, Lord. Not me. I mean, maybe the other disciples that you have, but, but not me. Um, Luke 22 continues, and it goes on, and it says that when Peter found himself fulfilling this prophecy, Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter, and then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken to him about the rooster crowing that day, and he went outside and he wept bitterly. So Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him three times. That prophecy came into play when Peter actually denied him three times. Prophecy fulfilled. The second one is that Jesus said the gospel would be preached to the entire world. At that time, Jesus was one of the only ones preaching the gospel at that time. He was one of very few who were going into the world and preaching in that sense. And so there wasn't this big idea of like, oh yeah, everyone around the world is going to be preaching the gospel. Because in our culture today, it, it, it seems very easy to us for that to be the case. Because of the fact that we ourselves here at Harvest are doing Harvest America. And we get to use technology to broadcast that over the internet and things like that. But Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel, this good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then what does it say? And then the end will come. Like, okay, that's kind of scary. Like, so the whole world is going to hear the gospel. The whole world is going to be preached to, and then the end will come. That's interesting. Because Jesus said that the gospel would be preached throughout the world, and he also said, after this happens, the end will come. And I think that with the increasing availability of television and the internet and technology and everything that's happening, there's an even greater potential for the gospel to be preached to everyone everywhere. And I think that there's little doubt that this prophecy is well on its way to being fulfilled. The third of the four that I want to look at this morning is that Jesus said his words would never be forgotten. Jesus said his words would never be forgotten. Luke 21, 33, it says, Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. You see that thing that you have in your hands right here? It's called a Bible. Have you, have you seen one of these before? Like, I've never seen that before. What's that? Uh, it's called a Bible. And these are the words that God has given to us today in order to reveal himself to us. So I think a lot of times in, in faith, and may, maybe you can relate to this too, um, we always want God to reveal himself to us like physically. Like, God, if you would just show up and like, just, just like walk by real quick so we can just see you real quick, like then I, then I would believe. Even one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, he was like, hey, until I can put my hands in his hand, 
through the nail-pierced hands that he has, I won't believe. And Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, Thomas, you know, you can believe if you want, but hey, it's better if you don't see and believe because that's what really what faith is. And so we have the words of Scripture here, and so often we want God to reveal himself to us, to make himself real in a way that we can understand him better. And the reality is that he's already given that to us. We have it right here. We have it in Scripture. And that's the important thing to understand here today is that his words will never be forgotten. Even when this world is destroyed, according to a prophecy that says that this world will be destroyed. You're like, oh, that's encouraging. (laughs) End of time. Um, But it also says that Jesus is now going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. The word of God will continue to remain throughout that as well. And then the fourth prophecy that Jesus makes is that he says that Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed. Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed. Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 2, but he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Of course, during that time, they're like, how could this weirdo be predicting all these other things? Like, if you heard someone, if you were at the plaza or whatever, getting Chipotle for lunch or, or Blaze or wherever you like to go, and someone's, like, looking at all these buildings, and they're just like, you know what? Not a single brick is going to be left of any of these buildings. You're going to be like, who's this weirdo? Like, why haven't the cops, like, come and arrested him? Like, he's talking weird stuff, you know? Or if someone came to the church, and they were like, not a single piece of this wall will be left. It's all going to just crumble. It's like, uh, get him off campus. Like, he's a weirdo. Like, we can't have this kind of weird people walking around like that. That's kind of the thing that people were thinking. Like, so who's going to walk up to the White House and just be like, oh, yeah, the White House? Yeah, it's going to crumble for sure. Like, they're going to arrest him and, like, question him. FBI is going to get involved. Like, it's going to become this big deal. Jesus is like, oh, every stone in this building, yeah, it's going to, it's just going to die, you know? And everyone's just like, oh, what? Like, who is this guy? This is not okay. What's crazy is that Jesus was telling his followers in Jerusalem that Jerusalem itself was going to be destroyed. Okay? That's like Jesus coming to Riverside. Like, hey, everyone in Riverside, guess what? Riverside's going to be destroyed. You're like, but wait, I live in Riverside. And then everyone's like, mobile, what up? You know, like, you're all like, I'm safe or whatever. Um, but here's the reality. The temple was actually destroyed 40 years later than when Jesus had predicted it. But it still happened. Check this out. In 70 AD, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and they killed an estimated 1.1 million Jewish people. During the destruction, as Jerusalem is being destroyed, during the destruction, there was a fire that was set to the temple, but the fire alone could not displace the stones because the stones were fireproof, basically. And so at that point, I can imagine some people were thinking of Jesus' prediction, like, oh, not a single stone will fall. Well, a fire can't cause the stones to fall. But true to the prediction, check this out. This is crazy. The fire had caused the gold leaf ornamentation in the building. There was, like, decorations that were made of gold, of pure gold. And the fire started to melt the gold down off of the walls, and the gold itself actually started to seep into the creases of the stone. So what did they do? The people who worked in the temple started to take every single stone off the temple to try to save the gold, because that's how greedy and rich they wanted to be. 
So the fire itself did not destroy the temple, but the, the temple people destroyed the temple themselves. Like, like, that's just, like, you can't make this stuff up. Like, this is stuff that Jesus is involved in, and it wasn't anything that anyone could have predicted would have taken place, but because of greed and pride and everything else, the gold had seeped into the stones, and they started to take the stones out of the temple, and one by one they kept stacking the stones so that they could save the rest of the gold. This is what Jesus had predicted would happen. And so that melting gold flowed down the walls into the crevices, and these people started to remove each and every stone. The temple stones were removed. How crazy is that? You see, all of these different prophecies I bring to your attention, one, because I think they're pretty crazy to think that they were all actually 100% accurate, which allows us to believe that Jesus himself is 100% accurate, which makes us believe that even the word of God is 100% accurate. As I mentioned earlier, I think one of the things difficult and why we don't talk about prophecy at times is because it's easy to mock Christianity in it because people make it about themselves. But I think what also happens is not making prophecy a big deal causes us to become unaware of what our future holds. Not making prophecy a big enough of a deal causes us to become unaware of what our future holds. I think what happens is we're so, we're so distracted by the present that we're not aware of the future. We're so concerned with what people think of us now that we won't be concerned of what Jesus thinks of us later. But there will come a day as the Bible says, where we will face judgment. It says in the Bible that it is appointed for every person to die, and then comes judgment. What do we need to be judged for? Well, we'll be judged for our faith. We'll be judged on our relationship to God, whether it's there or not. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be judged. I don't like when people try to tell me something that's wrong about myself. Imagine God who sees all, who knows all, before you even do it, before you even speak it, he's going to be the judge that oversees your ruling. But what we have in the book of Daniel is a way for us to be mindful that prophecy is important because a lot of correlations happen between the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. How many of you guys have read the book of Revelation before? Raise your hand for me. You've read it. Okay. How many of you guys have not? I'm just assuming hands down have not read the book of Revelation. Okay. How many of you guys are curious about what the book of Revelation has to say? Okay. Some of you are like, I don't really care what you have to say. Can you just stop saying stuff so we can go home? How many of you guys would agree with that? No, I'm kidding. Don't, don't raise your hand. Come on. Um, the book of Revelation is like, it's an intense book because of the fact that it's predicting these things that are going to happen that have not happened yet. Um, like uh, the end of the world. I mean, everything apocalyptic we have in theme, zombies and end of world stuff and whatever, all essentially correlates from the book of Revelation. In fact, when we asked the question if anyone had ever read the book of Revelation, there were a few hands that went up, but then there were even more hands that went up that were like very curious about Revelation. Um, and it, actually, I mean, curious enough, I think we might even do a series through the book of Revelation, maybe like once we get like into September or something. How many of you guys would be curious about having a, a series through the book of Revelation? Okay. 
I think, I think we're just curious because we don't know what to believe about it. Because we don't really know what's going to take place. Um, and it's important for us to know what's going to take place. Actually, side note, let me uh, just say this. Next week, we're going to start a new series. We're calling it um, You Are Known. And the idea behind it is that you are known in God's story. And that's really what this whole series is going to be about, how you fit into God's story. We know about creation. We know about sin and the fall. We know about Jesus. We know about the church. We know about the second coming of Christ. But how do you fit into all of that? Did you know that from Genesis to Revelation, you fit into this story? Every single one of you. You fit in this story somewhere. You're involved in this everywhere. Your, your name might not physically be in here, but you are in here, and you are mentioned, and you matter, and that's something that I think we all need to understand today, because how many people tell you that you don't matter? How many people tell you that you're insignificant? How many people tell you, oh, you need to follow this person to feel happy, or you need to have these amount of followers, or this amount of things, or this amount of that, or whatever it might be? Listen, you're not unknown by God. You are known by Him. And I think that that's something that we should all take into consideration given the fact that you belong in the story of the Bible itself. And so we're going to take a look starting next week on how you fit into God's big story. But I think when you look at the book of Daniel, and you can go home and read um, chapter 7 through 12 so you can get an idea of what the visions and things like that look like, the whole point of these visions and of prophecy is to say that in our present situation, whatever your situation is, because we all have different situations, we all have different problems, we all have different difficult things that we're dealing with, whatever it is, the whole point of this is to know that God will ultimately reign supreme over all things and even better than that, too, is to know that we get to be a part of it. It's not just like God wipes everyone out and just like starts over by himself. No, God wipes everything out, but we get to play a part in it as well. And so I think maybe you're asking yourself, or I was asking myself as I was studying this, because I had a, a difficult time trying to figure out how to, to teach this. I think the big question is, why is prophecy important, right? Right? Like, why would something like prophecy matter to a seventh grader like me or an eighth grader like me? Like, why would prophecy be important for me to even know about? Well, I think, for one, prophecy is important because Jesus says it's important. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll expound upon that a little bit. It's kind of like when, when uh, you ask your parents if you can do something and they say no, and, they're, and you're like, why? Like, because I said so. Like, that's just how it is, right? Um, my daughters, they love to ask why. And that's just always like, hey, Dad, can we go to the park? Oh, maybe later. Why? Well, we need to go to the store. We have a birthday party. we got to go to this. Why? Well, because that's what's happening today. Why? Like, it just keeps getting further and further. Like, okay, like, what, what's going on? And to the point, it's just like, because it's happening, okay? Like, because I said so. Um, I try as best as I can to not say because I said so because I just feel like that's kind of a cop-out. And sometimes I try to elaborate too much and my kids are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but I think because Jesus makes prophecy important, we should also make it important to us because Jesus said so. But also, when you look at Mark 13, verse 23, he says, watch out. 
When someone yells, watch out at you, what's your normal reaction? You kind of like, watch out for what? Um, During first service, I just realized, like when I was saying this verse, I said, watch out. I I realized that I'm right below a speaker. And I realized that if something were to happen to the speaker wires that connected it, that I would die. Do you you see that? Like, it's just going to crush me. Like, who designed this building? You're all laughing. Why are you laughing? Like, it's not funny. Like, my life is on the line, and you're all like, he's going to die. <laughs> Sucker. Like, that's, like, you become more aware of your surroundings, and now you're all like, well, what's above me? Am I going to die, like, with Pastor Brad, too? Maybe you will. But here's the reality. It, it's, it causes us to be on guard. It causes us to watch out, and now you're, like, looking behind, like, who's sitting behind me? Who's sitting around me? You're always aware of, like, your surroundings, hopefully, Unless you're like the lady who was walking with her phone and she was texting in the mall and she fell into the fountain and she, uh, that was awesome, it was really funny. She ended up suing the mall because the mall had a fountain in her walking space, whatever, people are stupid. Um, it says watch out, right? When, when you watch out, you're literally like, hey, whoa, yo, what was that? You know, you kind of like freak out a little bit. Like watch out, be on guard. I have warned you about this ahead of time. What has Jesus warned us about? He has warned us about the end of time. He told us everything that we need to know, but we, I think, have been so distracted by the present that we haven't cared about our future. We're so concerned with, am I going to be accepted by my friends? We are so concerned with, is my hair going to do what it needs to do today? We're so concerned with, are my shoes going to stay as clean as they need to stay clean today? We're so concerned with, am I going to get my homework done before school tomorrow? Maybe like, oh, now I have homework to do you forgot about because you, you, you procrastinated. We're so concerned with the present that we haven't cared about our future. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking like retirement investments and things like that. Like, you, you've got plenty of time to worry about that. Trust me. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. But you'll be thankful that you have that because in your future, you don't know what's going to happen. But what you do know is that God knows what's going to happen. And I think that we live one of two ways. We live either by faith, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, or we live by fear. We live by faith believing that even though we don't know the future and God does, we're okay with that. Or we live by fear and like, I don't care if God knows the future. I've got to take care of myself now. And no one else can deal with my life except for me. Don't be so distracted by the present that you don't care about your future. Care about your future. Care about what you're doing I talked to a few people um, a few weeks ago just about some of the decisions they're making. They're your age. They come to our junior high ministry. And they're making decisions now that they don't see but will actually impact their future. The reason we have parents and the reason we have moms that nag us and care about us and love us and put up with us is because they have seen the decisions that they made at their age, that you are now, and that it didn't just impact their present, but it impacted their future. You see, my, my dad is one of my biggest influences. He's also a pastor here at the church, so I get to work with him, which is awesome. But I didn't realize how much I actually learned from my dad until I became a dad myself. And... Because in my, in my present situation, when I, was, when I was younger and I just was distracted by the present and I didn't care about the future, 
my dad ultimately was in my present preparing me for my future. Because then I had kids, and I broke my own sprinklers, and I had to mow my own yard, and I had to raise my own family. He wasn't just like caring for my situation in the present time where I was when I was 13, 14, 15. He was preparing me for something beyond that. And I think that we need to be mindful of the things that we're doing today are ultimately going to be a cause and effect in our future. Whatever you decide to put yourself into today, you're going to end up actually doing those things in the future. I've seen it far too often in my own life and even in others. You start looking at pornography now, guess what's going to happen in your future? You're going to keep looking at pornography. You're going to keep your, your, your mindset in these things, and it's when you, when you start looking at things or doing things now, you think, oh, well, I'll fix it in the future. Like, I'll give my life to Jesus then. No, give your life to Jesus now so that he can help you with your future then. That's the reality of being willing to trust that God has the answers and that God is the solution to the things going on in life. But I think the biggest reason why prophecy is important, if you're paying attention, JC, because I know you're kind of distracted right now, is that prophecy is important because it shows that God's control is over all things. Because God is in control over history. Prophecy is important because it shows that God's control is over everything. Whatever Jesus would predict, we ultimately see it happen. And so my question to you is, are you prepared for the prophecy? Because the prophecy says, the prediction says, hey, the end is coming. Jesus is coming back again. All prophecy ends at Jesus being the final authority over all the earth. You see, people have a period of time when they rule and they reign, but it is God who has the upper hand. And even though we cannot see the future, we can know about it. And so much of today's rulers and even rulers from history were so focused on themselves being the ruler, but their problem is that, well, they die. They're dead. That's the reality that you and I have when it comes to the end of our life. Jesus has no end to his life. The Bible says that Jesus does not have a beginning and he does not have an end. And maybe you've thought about that before and it's totally confused the heck out of you because you're like, Wait, well then if God didn't have a beginning, then who created God? Well, no one created God. God's just always been here. Well, well, how did he get here? Well, he's just always been here. Like, that, that can be kind of confusing to you, but I think what that can also do for us is encourage us like, hey, God has seen it all. God knows it all. And in your situation, he knows it all. And he has seen it all. It's crazy to think about. It's a big picture thing, and it kind of overwhelms us. But the reality is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who has no beginning, who has no end. And John chapter 6, verse 40 tells us this, For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. There's no one else who has power over anything else except for God. And in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, you'll see it come up on the screen. It says this, At that time, Michael the archangel, who stands guard over your nation, will arise. 
Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Interesting that the book of Daniel would talk about this book and the name being written in it. And the book of Revelation also saying that whoever's name is written in the Lamb's book of life will be rescued. So you get the correlation between the two, Old Testament, New Testament. And then it says, many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Verse 3 says, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. You see, there's a coming a day where our life will end, whether by death or by Christ taking us to heaven. But the Bible is very clear about the certainty of death. No one can escape it. We will all die. You're like, oh, how encouraging. Like, I'm so blessed right now. Like, yes, death is a great thing. Thank you for encouraging me on this beautiful Mother's Day. But listen to what Jesus says. Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha. You guys know who Mary and Martha are? They were, does anyone know who they were related to? Just say it if you know it. No, Mary and Martha were related to Lazarus. You guys remember Lazarus died, and then Jesus rose him from the dead. That's when Jesus wept and all that. So Jesus, as Lazarus is dead, Mary and Martha are obviously crying like their brother just died. Like, that's pretty intense. And Jesus tells them, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And he asks Martha a question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am a, the resurrection and the life? Jesus is saying, do you believe that even if you die, you will still live? Just as Jesus asked Martha that question, I ask you, do you believe this? Have you ever believed this? Maybe your life says otherwise, or maybe your life fully agrees with Jesus being the resurrection and the life of your life. Because the reality is that we will do anything we can in life to try to escape death, but the reality is that no one can. We will all find death at some point. That is the grave reality of this life, is that it will end. But there is a better reality beyond the grave because Jesus says, even if you die, you can still live. I don't know about you, but that sounds like pretty interesting to me. Like, wait, hold up. So I can die, but I can still live after I die? How does that make sense? In the book of John, Jesus was telling people, hey, you can have this life if you are born again. That's what he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. That's when he told him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him could have eternal life. Nicodemus is like, how, how does that even make sense? Like, well, you got to be born again. I can't be born again. That's weird. Like, I, like, the whole physics and the, the anatomy of how babies are born, like, that can't happen again. And Jesus is like, no, this is it. You can have a new life. In fact, the Bible says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. If your life right now is in shambles, if your life right now is that which is of once being born, being that you were born by your mother, Mother's Day, Say happy Mother's Day to your mom for um, 
bringing you into the world, okay? Because it's not pretty, and I hear it's painful. I wouldn't know, but I hear it is. Right, moms? Painful? Okay, cool. Just, just checking. Um, but I hear there's also things that can drug you up, and you just feel wonderful also. So praise God for that. But if you've only been born once, that's not good enough. Jesus says you have to be born again. Born again. Everyone say born again. But it's weird. Like, how can I be born again? Jesus says, by believing in me. You can have that new life in Christ. Anything that you've done in your past, anything that you wish you could take back, anything that you've regretted, Jesus says, hey, you can get rid of all of that. Just believe in me. 